0: Turn in your Bible to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 5. The scriptures tell us an awful lot about the sin of gossiping, talebearers, devouring one another, all these things that people do when they disobey God. But what are some things that people say, and it's not true, But then people believe that it's true, and then so then they talk or treat that person as though, oh, that's a wicked person, and it's not true. Wouldn't that be a terrible thing to do? Look there in uh, verse 15. For some are already turned aside after Satan. Remember this, you're either going to serve the Lord, or you're going to serve Satan. There isn't anybody else. You say, well, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Okay, you're going to serve Satan. No, I'm not going to serve Satan, I'm just going to do what I want. Well, what's the difference between you and him? So you have a nature just like his, so if it's rebellion to God, it's Satan's. So you're either going to obey God or you're going to obey the devil. Who we serve is revealed by the decisions that we make. And then he makes this statement here in verse 17. Let the elders that rule well. Now that's preachers, elders in a church. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. You say, well, what does that mean? Art like this. If a man goes to work, and he, I say, in the church, and he makes $100, all right, if the average of the people is $100, then how much should the preacher make? If he gets double honor, $200. If they get 500 average, the preacher's supposed to get twice that. If they got $1,000 average, then the preacher gets $2,000. is, if he has committed himself to the, the study of the Word of God. Look what he says. In verse 17, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. The preacher are supposed to give himself to these two main things. That's the word, studying, knowing the word, and prayer. Because that's a powerful thing to know. Because that's what you teach the people and that's what governs their life is the knowledge they gain from what the Bible has to say and then the prayer that he does on behalf of interceding for people. One of the most powerful things you can have is somebody that can pray. And talk to the Lord, because he's either a holy man or a righteous man, godly man. But look what he says in verse 18. For the scripture saith, this is the Old Testament, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. In other words, the ox that treads the corn ought to be able to eat of the corn. And what he's talking about, the preacher that preaches the gospel should live of the gospel. And he says this, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. This is what belongs. Then he says in verse 19, that, "That see, that was the positive. Now here's the negative. Against an elder or preacher, receive not an accusation, but before two or more witnesses. So that you don't just listen to what somebody says, there has to be witnesses. And also, in conjunction with this, it's based upon the truth of the Old Testament law two or more witnesses, so that it's established and it's true, because they're going to check it out and prove, before you just believe what somebody says, find out if it's true. Because what if it isn't true? Have you ever heard somebody say something against a preacher and it not be true? And yet people believe it. If the devil can, he doesn't want people to believe that the pastor is either a good man or a godly man, because he don't want people going to listen to the guy the devil will say and do whatever he can to destroy it. Then in verse 20, if it's true, then that sin, the elders, rebuke before all that others also may fear. In other words, can the preacher just do whatever he wants to do and get away with it? No. If he's wrong, he's to be confronted. And if he's confronted, it's to be between two and three witnesses at least, and it be proven to be true And then it's supposed to be known to the people, to rebuke the person, so that that person knows he can't get away with it, and then everybody else in the church knows, look, if, if the preacher got rebuked, everybody ought to get rebuked. If you really did believe what the Scriptures teach, then there is to be church discipline. We should challenge and motivate one another to serve the Lord and to do right. Now, look now in the book of John, the Gospel of John. When Jesus Christ came, well, there was the problem of believing Him. And some would believe on Him if they saw miracles done. But there was the religious leaders that they had a problem with Christ. See, they didn't believe He was who He claimed to be. And the reason the Apostle Paul made the statements that he did is because they had a lot of accusations made against Him because people were saying things against Paul, and it wasn't true. Paul says, look... Find out if it's true first. He said, I'm the guy that led you to the Lord. I'm the guy that's been teaching and training you all these years. He says, listen to what I'm saying before you just quickly believe something and then you act upon it and it not be true. Well, what about Jesus? Did he have anybody ever say anything like that about him? (laughs) Oh, yes. Why do you think they put him on a cross and crucified him? Because somebody said. Somebody lied about him. Remember, they had witnesses, but they were false witnesses. They lied about him. They said he said things he didn't say. And then something they said about him. Well, he claimed to be God. Well, he was. And that wasn't a lie, it was the truth. So anyway, in the last part of verse 18, look in verse 18 of chapter 5. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not had only broken the Sabbath, but in their opinion, he was wrong. And they convinced the people that he was wrong. But also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Jesus said that he, God was his father. Well, they know that if God was his father, they know he's saying he's God too. He's equal with God. If you're a human and you have a child, is your child as human as you? Yeah. If God is God and God has a son, his son is just as good as God. I could say he's good as gold. He's as good as God. So when you go down through here and it talks about the judgment, look what it says in verse 30. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will. But the will of the Father which hath sent me, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. In other words, you're not going to believe me. If I only say what I am, then you're not going to believe what I say. And maybe they don't have to, but he says, I've got some witnesses. I've got more than two. I've got more than three. And so they were to believe him. Hold your place right here and look there in the book of Numbers in chapter 35. In verse 30 says, Whoso killeth any person, the murderer shall be put to death by the mouth of witnesses. But one witness shall not testify against any person to cause him to die. In other words, nobody is to ever die because of what one person says. So you had to have two or more witnesses. Because you're talking about taking a man's life. We said, well, you mean if two people got together and said something about somebody, they could have them killed? Well, yeah, but there was something else to it, though. And so look there in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 17. See, God didn't tolerate in the nation of Israel anybody believing anything else except the truth. And that was that He was God. They were not to tolerate all religions. See, in America, everybody can have any religion they want. Because, see, that's what's slowly wanting to change our laws in our land because we have people here who have different religious beliefs. They no longer hold the Christian faith. There was articles that I've read where the Muslims want to replace the Constitution with the Koran. Well, should that be allowed? It shouldn't be allowed. But, you know, if they get in enough places of leadership, get enough of them voted in. And little by little, they're wanting to get into places of politics, because they know that they can change our country without having to bomb it. They can just pass laws and take over our country. But look what else it says here. Look in verse 2. If there be found among you within any of thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee, man or woman, that hath wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God in transgressing his covenant, and has gone and served other gods, and worshiped them, either the Son, or the moon, or any of the host of heaven which I have not commanded. Whew, that would take care of all these astrologers in our country and all those who worship their, their little horoscope and all that stuff. Like that. See, that's a wicked thing. The horoscope, something so innocent, it's just fun. No, it ain't, it's wicked. How do you know? God says so. You go by what the book says. He says in verse 4 And it be told thee, and thou hast heard of it, and inquired diligently. And behold, it be true. Now, keep this in mind. When we talk about two or more witnesses, it's not just because somebody said something. It is to be inquired, searched into, diligently, and did this, and it was true. And the thing was certain. There's no doubt about it. Because you don't just take a man's life. But he says it be found to be true. And then he makes this statement. He says, And the thing certain that such abomination is wrought in Israel, in other words, the man or woman guilty of it, then shalt thou bring forth that man or that woman, which have committed that wicked thing unto thy gates, even that man or that woman, and shalt stone them with stones till they what? Die. This is God's way of putting away evil from Israel. Okay, you think you can just live like you please and get away with it? They didn't do it then. You don't do it now. Get what he says in verse 6, at the mouth of two witnesses, or three witnesses, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death, but at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. Now get this, the hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death. In other words, who's the one that's got to throw the first stone? The one that brought the accusation. Before you make an accusation, you got to be willing, am I willing to take this man's life? And is it true? You see, this was to stop gossip. But in verse 7, the hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hands of all the people. So thou shalt put the evil away from among you. You see, the ones that were the executioners were the people themselves. Remember the hangings in the Old West? Outside where everybody can see it. Why do they want everybody to see it? This is what happens to those who commit crime. Crime doesn't pay. Well, lo and behold, we live at a time where a crime does pay. Everybody does something and get away with it because our laws protect the criminal and they let the victim suffer the consequences. I go back to the book of John in chapter 5. But you see, whenever it just in the New Testament says to be established in the mouth of two or more witnesses, this is what he's referring to. But it's to be searched into and verified to make sure that it's certain, it's right, and a person was to die. So when they said these things about Jesus, see, they were trying to get Jesus to be rejected because, you know, stirring up the people. And the people were to have him stoned or crucified him. But now look what he says there in verse 30. I can of my own self do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him of the Father which hath sent me. But he says this, there is another that beareth witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is truth. In other words, I've got somebody that knows what I said and will bear witness and say that what I'm saying is the truth. Who was it? Well, he says right there in verse 33, he says, you sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. For I received not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light. And you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light at first, but because they found out he was talking about Jesus, and Jesus claims to be God. You see, either the Pharisees, these hypocrites, had to either believe that Jesus was telling the truth, or well then they'd have to believe on him. And uh, that would mess up their little, uh, I guess you'd call it their scam, Because they were religious scam artists. They were scamming the money off the people. Because the scriptures would always lead to Christ. So he, Christ, says, I'm going to give you some witnesses. Not just what I say, but it's also, John said it. He says, and you know John. You heard John. John said that I was the light. John said that. John's the one that says you ought to believe on me. John's the one that said that he was not even worthy to step down and get on and, and, and tie his shoes. But I have a greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. He said, Look, I've already raised the dead, I've turned water into wine, I can walk on water. And he said, I've fed the 5,000, I've raised the dead, I've caused the blind to see and the deaf to hear. He said, what else do you want? He says, what I've done, my works, that tells you who I am. You think, well, that ought to be enough. That'll convince them. No, I didn't convince them. Some people you're never going to convince, even when we witness to people. Some people we win, some people you're never going to win. Just accept the fact. Jesus couldn't convince them. I mean if I saw somebody do all those things, I know that this ain't no normal man. Something's going on here. I'd want to investigate. I want to find out. I want to I want to listen to this guy. And the Father Himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. He says, You don't believe what God says. Because God bears witness of me. And he makes the statement a little bit further. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, when you put me on the cross, he says, my Father will tell you who I am. That's why whenever Christ was on the cross, what happened to the lights in the world? They were all turned off. It got dark. He said, when you put me on the cross, he said, my Father will tell you who I am. He said, I said, I'm the light of the world. You don't believe that. My Father's going to tell you who I am. He bear witness to me. And my Father turned off all the lights and it got dark while he hung on the cross. He says, my Father's going to do that. Now you think, with all these testimonies, these witnesses, they would really believe it. Man, that would have scared me to death not to trust the Lord. He says in verse 39, search the Scriptures. Now what is the Scriptures? Scriptures is the Old Testament. He says, for in them, you think you have eternal life. You think you have eternal life just because you have the scriptures? He says, search the scriptures. He says, and you'll find out they testify about me. See what he says? And they are they which testify of me. The scriptures tell you who I am. And if you really knew the scriptures, really believed the scriptures, then you would believe that I am truly the Son of God. I am the Savior of the world. I am the one that's come to make the death payment for the sins of all mankind. You would believe that I am what I claim to be, the Son of God. He said, if you believe the Scriptures. But you don't believe the Bible. You know, the people who believe that uh, you can be saved and lost, lose your salvation, you've got to be good to go to heaven, and all that stuff, they don't believe the Bible. They don't believe the Bible. Because, see, they don't believe the gospel message. The message of the gospel is that when you believe it, you have eternal life. If you don't know you have eternal life, you don't believe the message. You don't believe the message. You're not believing in Christ unless you know you have eternal life, unless you know that you're going to heaven when you die. If you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, because you don't believe it. Look there in verse 40. And this is a very, very important verse. And ye will not come to me that you might have life. See, it's not that they cannot come, it's that they will not come. He says, you will not come. He didn't say, you could not come. Because Christ will save anybody. He says, you will not come that you can have life. So the reason they don't have life because they won't come. It's their fault, not God's. I've had people say, well, God chose to save some and let the rest of them go to hell. God came to save the whole world if they will believe it. But they won't come to him. They will not believe. They will not trust him. He says, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that ye have not the love of God in you. You don't have the love of God in you. See, that a lot of people live their lives. And they love a lot of things in this life, but they don't love God. One of the greatest things you and I can do is love the Lord. How come Jesus Christ could say to them that you do not have the love of God in you? Because he knows every man. Does God know right now whether you really love him or not? If you really love the Lord, that is the key to loving Him and being found faithful to Him. If you're not faithful to the Lord, you don't love Him. You're deceiving yourself. You're, not, you're, you're deceiving yourself. Because love is what makes you do anything. Else. It's like a man saying, "I love my wife, but then you're not faithful. Something's wrong with that. You love God, you've got to be faithful to God. If you're not faithful to God. there's something wrong with a the love. Pro- there's a love problem. Well these scriptures are dynamite. He said in verse 43, I am come in my Father's name. You receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. Now remember this. Since Jesus Christ has been here, there's a lot of people come and go. And people claim to be prophets and so forth. But there's never been one, not really, a real prophet that came on the scene and claims to you know, be sent by God. To, until we have this guy named, uh, you ever heard of a guy named uh Mohammed? Who started the religion of Islam? Did you know there's a day coming when the people of Israel, I believe, are going to accept that religion. Some of them going to accept. He says, he said, I came in my father's name. He's going to come in his own name. There's only been one. This is why there's a good possibility that the uh, Islamic religion could be what leads into the the great tribulation period, and be the worst religion that the world's ever known. What would happen and what would this world be like if the Muslims were totally in charge of this world? What kind of freedoms would we enjoy? And would it be true that chances are you would lose your head? And the Bible says in the book of Revelation that we saw the souls of him that were beheaded for his name's sake. It looks like uh, everything is lining up just like God said it would. And they're going to make this peace treaty with Israel. He says in verse 44, How can ye believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? In other words, they were so hip on themselves that they looked upon each other. Oh, I honor you, and you honor me, and we honor each other, and we're somebody, and we're we're the doodads. I mean, we've really got it made. We're the big shots around here. He says, You don't seek honor from me. And you don't seem to give honor to me. So, whenever you're like that, you're, you're, you're a thief. See, they were not as righteous as they thought. They were self righteous in their own mind. They sought to justify themselves, even before man, as though they were some great thing. And God says, You don't want to be like a Pharisee, which is a hypocrite. In verse 45, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. In other words, you trust the law. You say you believe the Bible. You believe the law. You believe the Scriptures. Yet, the Scriptures tell you about me and you don't believe it. Moses told you in chapter 18 of the book of Deuteronomy that a prophet like unto him will come one day. And it's talking about Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy 18. He says, Moses told you about me. And you don't believe him? Do you think Jesus was a wimp? He stood up there and knew that these people wanted him dead. See over there in verse 18? They wanted him dead. And this is his answer back to them. He didn't run. He didn't have to hide. He says, I, what I've done and what I've said has not been done in a, in a corner. Jesus was a man's man. And look what he says there in now in verse 46. For had ye believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. That's powerful. So he's saying, you don't believe the Bible. You don't really believe what you say you believe. You say you believe the Bible, you don't believe the Bible. And this is why I say to people today, you don't believe the Bible. I told a preacher, I says you don't believe the Bible. I said, the reason you're going to hell because you don't believe the Bible. He believed you're saved by what you do, and you have to live right. And I says, you believe that? You're lost as a hound dog in the end of a soup bone. And people that get up there and can talk about getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost and all that, they're phony. They don't believe the Bible. They don't believe salvation is totally, really, truly by grace. And they believe you can lose your salvation if you ever had it. They don't believe what Christ said. You don't believe the Bible. You believe what you think the Bible says. You believe what you think the Bible ought to say, but you don't believe what the Bible says. It doesn't say all that stuff. So a lot of people just do not get it. When I say they don't get it, they don't get eternal life. They ain't going to heaven when they die. Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me, and this wallet represents sin. Now we all have sin on us. Everyone here is a sinner, just like me. We're all sinners. God loves us. Now he hates our sin, but he loves us. All of us are in the same boat, for all have sinned. All have come short of God's perfection. The wages of sin is death, and since every man sin, every man is condemned. And God wants every man to be saved and to go to heaven. So Christ died for all men. You see, to go to heaven, you have to be perfect, but nobody's perfect. Nobody's righteous. So that's why no man can save himself. And so a man cannot do any good deeds to get to heaven because, you see, it can't be bought. We're already condemned to pay for what we've done. So a man has to be saved. This is Jesus Christ, God's Son. God chose His Son to come into the world because He had no sin. He was His righteous servant. He took all of our sins, the sins of the whole world, upon Himself. Came back from the dead. And God said that if if we'll believe that He did it for us, God is bound by His Word. He has to save everyone who believes. Whosoever believeth, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God from the foundation of the world has predetermined to save all those that will believe. And all those that will not believe, God has predetermined, they'll spend an eternity separated from God in a literal fire burning hell. Salvation is free. It's a gift. And it's whosoever believeth. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I have no axe to grind. I just want to preach the book. And I want you to understand that God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. To pay for your sins. He said if you'll trust him as your savior, he'll give you eternal life as a gift. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. You don't buy it. And God says, once he saves you, you're his child forever. He'll never cast you out, never lose you. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, I hope you understand the importance of telling people, getting them out under the sounds of the gospel. Let God use your power of influence in the lives of other people to get them under the sounds of the gospel. It's so important. Our Father, we ask your blessings upon each person that's here to help them to understand that you have chosen them, they have been elected, anointed by you, called to serve you. Not to be saved, but because we are saved. And I pray, Lord, that each person here would respond to you, correct anything in their life that needs to be corrected. And I love you with all their heart. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.